0: It definitely really was a challenge, but it wasn't a challenge I was ever going to back down from.
1: I'm author and presenter Marley Silver. And in this mini-series, Game Changers, we'll hear stories from elite Australian athletes, women at the top of their game.
0: The nerves were crazy. Then it's also the fear of what if something goes wrong?
1: This is snowboarding champion Jess Rich. She's on the slopes waiting to drop in at her first ever event. But then you've also got the
0: adrenaline from the crowd boosting you up. You've got the guys on the mic getting everyone
1: going and it's just standing there and being like, I can do this, I got this. Jess is riding on the edge of a staircase under the lights of Mount Bulla in Victoria. She's a rookie and the only woman in the competition.
0: Fear is always present and I'll be shocked if someone says that it isn't. But I think it's how we learn to work with our fear and understand our fear. It is a massive mental game, but you realize that it's just an emotion. And if you've worked on all the steps you need, you have that confidence that you know nothing's gonna go wrong.
1: to contend with fear and push past her comfort zone throughout her whole career, in part because Justin grew up in the snow. She grew up on the northern beaches of Sydney. She never dreamed she'd one day compete as a snowboarder at the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea.
0: Being a snowboarder is the best thing in the world. You know, you get to wake up, you get to go out and you just get to go and have the most fun. And I just was like, oh my God, I did it. After all of this hard work and all of this stuff that was thrown in front of me, I got here and I'm about to drop in at the Olympics.
1: Growing up, becoming a professional snowboarder wasn't exactly on the cards.
0: My dream growing up was to be a professional surfer, although like, I wasn't very good at surfing. But I didn't even really know anything about the snow until I was probably like 15 or 16.
1: It's funny because I grew up in Cronulla I still live there now and I think every kid who grew up near the beach wanted to be a surfer at some point I was rubbish um as well but I still wanted to be lame beachly so I totally hear you there Blue Crush was my favorite
0: movie I don't know if you've seen it but it was uh about three female surfers and I just watched it on repeat my whole childhood and that's where I kind of got the the dream from just watching that movie over and over again
1: when Jess was 15, one of her school teachers organized an excursion to the snow, and it was this trip that got Jess hooked on snowboarding.
0: From the second I, I put a snowboard on, I loved it. I grew up doing a bit of gymnastics as well, so I had pretty good balance, and then it's so similar to surfing as well, but I always struggled surfing with the whole paddling side of it. So it was kind of like surfing except the paddling and I just really fell in love with kind of the freedom and being outside and that adrenaline hit every time you got off the chairlift and
1: also that you got to do it with all your friends. And getting up on the board the first time, were you naturally really good at it or did you have to work on that? I definitely wouldn't say I was good at it. I definitely picked it up quickly in terms of being able to get on my
0: feet and make my way down a run. But Within that trip, I broke my wrist, so I definitely wasn't good. (laughs) But um, I I picked it
1: up pretty quickly and I was determined to kind of master it. Soon, an opportunity came along that not only helped Jess master her skills, but also set her on the path to become a world-class athlete. I was coming up to the end of
0: school and it's that decision, you know, after you graduate, do I go straight to uni? What do I do? people are taking gap years or going overseas. And I I had to think about it and I just wasn't ready to go to uni and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And an opportunity came up to go to Canada and do a snowboard camp over there. And instantly I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to travel and I want to snowboard. How cool is that to be able to do that at 17? And so as soon as I graduated high school, two months later, I was over in Canada.
1: It's almost a rite of passage for Aussies who love the snow to go over to Canada. And, you know, I've had that experience over there where there's a lot of similarities in the culture. I think that's why it's such a nice fit. What was the experience like for you?
0: There's so many Australians. Now, like thinking back, it's, it's quite funny. It was, I'd say there was probably more Australians in um, Whistler than there was Canadians. It was, I think, a really great thing for me to do just coming out of school a great way to kind of meet new people see the world learn new things but with people that had the same interests and the passion for snowboarding like I did it was just so cool to be able to kind of you'd wake up and be like how can I have the most fun today and that's what we'd all go and do
1: after Canada, Jess came home as a certified snowboarding instructor and made her way to Mount Buller in Victoria. And it was there, while teaching in Buller, that she witnessed one of the most famous snowboarding events in the country, the Cattleman's Rail Jam. Any Australian
0: snowboarder knows about this event.
1: It's quite prestigious
0: and it's in the village of Mount Buller and it's on just a stair set that everyone walks up every day to get to the chairlift. I remember my first season watching all of these guys hitting this rail in this event it was at night it was under lights and there was just a massive crowd of people cheering for all these people hitting this rail and watching that made me so excited and I knew that that's what I wanted to do yeah watching that I was like I'm going to be in this event next year and that's kind of when I got my head around
1: kind of starting to compete. So for us uh snowboarding noobs like myself can you describe what is a rail jam what does that competition actually look like
0: so a rail jam is on a handrail I guess usually if it's in like this one it did have stairs underneath it but if you are on the snow they just kind of take the handrail and put it in the snow so you can ride it um, right up on top of it you do different tricks so this one is known for being quite an aggressive handrail at Cattlemen's Rail Jam because it's just definitely quite skinny, quite steep, and it's quite quick. You have to really be in control. And then the landing when you come off the rail is always really quite firm ice. So you really want to be on top of your board, otherwise you can get, I guess, injured.
1: (laughs) As a young gun, the following year, Jess signed up to compete and she certainly made an entrance. I got smoked
0: <laughs> I, I uh, fell down a lot I, <laughs> I broke my snowboard I rolled down the stairs I landed like on my butt so many times but I'm just really proud thinking back I didn't give up because I had that one trick that I wanted to to land which was called a front blunt 270 out and I just kept going I don't know how I just kept going until I landed it and I ended up landing it and it was that feeling there of succeeding, I guess, doing what you set out to do, that is kind of addictive. I was the only girl in it. And I just went out there, I guess, with something to prove that I could do this. And yeah, that's, I guess, what kept me going.
1: While Jess didn't win that night, her attitude did catch the attention of a global snowboarding name.
0: I remember I was walking back up the stairs, just so like chuffed with myself that I did it and that I competed. And a guy approached me and he was like, how do you feel about riding for Nitro, which is a snowboard brand? And I couldn't believe it. I was just like, no way. I am going to be a sponsored snowboarder. And instantly I was like, that sounds so awesome. I'm in, let's do it.
1: Wow. How did you go from being that 18 year old Jess, who's got this first taste of a sponsor and just had this first big competition, to eventually ending up at the Olympics.
0: I guess that first contest really woke me up to the contest scene. From then on, I kept doing maybe starting at smaller contests around Australia and I started doing pretty well in them. And I wasn't doing it for any other reason than I just loved the feeling of being in a contest, being under pressure, and having to land tricks. And that's, I guess, that kind of became a little bit of an addiction. And after a few good results, I decided to enter into an event that we no longer have, but it was called the Aspen Open. And that event was open to the public, but it was on the X Games course. So just after the X Games, they had the Aspen Open. And I went into that contest just cause I still was so far from being, you know, the women I looked up to then like Tora Bright, Jamie Anderson, Shirsty Buaz, all these women, they were like my idols. And I was like, if they can ride this very
1: course, I want to see if I can do it. Jess won the Aspen Open and began hunting down more open contests around the world. And it wasn't long before the invites started rolling in for bigger events, including the World Cup. That's where Jess found herself competing alongside the women she most looked up to, including Australia's most successful Winter Olympian, Tora Bright.
0: A moment that really stands out for me was meeting Tora. And, you know, everyone knows Tora, the Olympic gold medalist. She was doing it before most women. She's always been pushing the field. And I remember idolising her so much. And then I ended up meeting her and it was so funny. I was like, she's just a human being. Because you you just see them, they seem so big and, and powerful and just then you see them in person, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're just a human being and so nice. And she's now a great friend of mine. And along with all of the other girls I looked up to, meeting them in person, just so friendly, so willing to help. And then when I realised I just was competing against these women, that's when I was like, whoa, I've done it. Like I've made it onto this this stage that I'm competing against my idols. Yeah,
1: that must be so surreal. Yeah, it definitely is surreal. So, you know, you're doing all these competitions and I guess one that a lot more of the world and people who don't usually um, watch snowboarding do tune into is, of course, the Olympics. So you are getting ready to compete at Pyeongchang in 2018 and two weeks out, you tear your ACL, which I mean, what horrible, horrible luck, but how did that happen?
0: Yeah. So that was absolutely devastating for me. The Olympics is something that it's not just, it doesn't happen in a few months. That's years and years of preparation that go into getting to the Olympics. I think a lot of people don't realize that actually just getting to the Olympics is huge. And once you're there, you're like, I can kind of take a, a step back and now I just focus on doing my best. But yeah, so I had been working so hard for so long and I was feeling so good. And I was riding a Keystone, which is in Colorado with my good friend Russ. And we were just having so much fun. I think it was like our fifth day in a row of riding like hours and hours every day. And I was just doing a trick that I'd been doing for ages and I guess I was tired and I landed on my feet and I heard a pop and I was like oh no I rode out to the next jump still snowboarding didn't fall or anything and I was like that's it and I think it's a well-known kind of thing in the snowboarding world because it happens so often is when you hear that pop you know it's your ACL there's kind of nothing else it can be and so yeah we ended up grabbing our stuff and riding down to the medical centre at the bottom of Keystone and that's where I got kind of the confirmation that it was done and my heart just dropped and I, it's almost like my dreams are over. But I ended up getting back to Australia pretty quickly and just doing a really intense training regime and pushing through and ended up still being able to ride. How did it end up affecting your
1: performance at the Olympics?
0: It definitely did affect my performance, but not as much as I thought it would. I think the most important thing with an injury like that is confidence. And so a lot of it was working on my confidence with the leg, knowing that I would be okay if I landed heavy, I could support myself. And I had that going over. I had responses from surgeons saying that, yes, they think I can do it. And I had physios that also were telling me that, yeah, you can do this. You've got the strength. And that kind of just built my own confidence because the drive was there and then the confidence was there. So going over to Pyeongchang, I then had to do a few days on snow before the contest because I didn't know how I was going to snowboard. So I ended up going with a few of the team physios that were legends and just really supported me through there. And I had so much tape on my knee that like, I could barely bend my leg. But then I had a knee brace on top of that. And I remember those first few days at the Olympics, we literally just went up and the goal was to just try and turn properly. And it took me like, couple of hours just to turn properly because the whole biomechanics were out. I wasn't able to bend my leg how I used to be able to so I had to change the tricks that I wanted to do so that the landings weren't going to be too dependent on that leg. The hardest part at the Olympics I think was having to climb all of the stairs from the bottom of the jump to the top of the jump. That hurt my knee more than the actual snowboarding. (laughs)
1: Not being able to walk up the stairs without pain, but competing in the Olympics anyway, that's the sort of conviction elite athletes know too well. In the lead up to the Games, Jess had been training to compete in two events, but after she did her ACL, she was only given medical clearance for the big air event. This meant she was forced to bow out of the slope style, her strongest chance at a medal.
0: But, you know, I was
1: like, I still am at the Olympics and I'm able to
0: compete. And I remember it's, <laughs> it's super corny, but, I made this playlist of all these like upbeat songs that were super, I don't know, motivational. And I just remember when I was just about to drop in for my first run in the big air and the song came on and it was called like You Belong Here or something and that just played really loud in my ears and I just was like, oh my God, I did it. After all of this hard work and all of this stuff that was thrown in front of me, I got here and I'm about to drop in at the Olympics.
1: Jess missed out on a medal. She came 13th, but she landed her runs and considering the circumstances, she says it's more than she ever could have hoped for. And just like the song, she says it was the first moment she felt like she truly belonged in the sport. I
0: remember when I first started competing internationally, the There wasn't any Australian girls doing like the slopestyle tour. I'd only like heard about all these women through, I guess, watching contests and uh, social media and stuff like that. And I remember going there not knowing anyone and I was like, what am I doing here? I'm just like a girl from Sydney that wanted to be a surfer. Like I don't have a coach I only learnt what I know from riding around with guys in the rain in Australia. Like, So it took me a few contests and everything to to kind of feel like I fit in. But the group of girls on that world tour are so amazing and they're, those friendships that I built with those guys are like, they're going to last forever, you know? It's really hard to find someone that understands that experience that hasn't done it. And so you just have this bond with the people, I guess, that you compete with. And that's something that, yeah, I'm definitely gonna cherish for the rest of my life. By the time I got to the Olympics, I still felt that I was a bit of an imposter, but by that stage, I was kind of like, God, I've done it all. I might as well, like, what have I got to lose?
1: Jess tearing her ACL before the Olympics wasn't even the most intense injury she went through. Over the course of her snowboarding career, Jess broke her collarbone twice, her lower back and her femur twice. Some of the injuries meant metal rods and screws in her body and learning how to walk again. You get to a certain level, you know the risks and you know with
0: certain tricks come certain risks and certain, even certain jumps, certain rails, you know they're riskier than others and you just kind of have to weigh up for the benefit versus what could go wrong. And most of the time that works out, but every once in a while, yeah, you, you do get injured and it sucks, it's so common. There's always someone getting hurt and it's crazy that we get these injuries. Like I remember when I broke my femur, I didn't even cry when it actually happened. I was just like, went into, I guess, emergency mode and I was just like, okay, uh, something's really wrong. The first time I cried with that injury was when I realised that I was going to not be able to snowboard for up to six months or something, and I think with every injury, most of the time when you're at the level we're at, you don't think about the pain, you think about what that means for your career and how long you're going to be out of the sport, not like, oh, God, this is excruciating pain, my poor body. You think about, oh,
1: no, I can't snowboard. Hearing you describe that, I think you end up sounding superhuman to the average person who doesn't do that every day, but surely there were points coming back from those injuries that you had a lot of fear. How present was fear in your professional career?
0: Fear is always present, and I'll be shocked if someone says that it isn't, but I think it's how we learn to work with our fear and understand our fear and it is a massive mental game, but you, you realize that it's just an emotion. And if you've worked on all the steps you need, you have that confidence that, you know, nothing's going to go wrong. And that's the same when you're learning a trick, you don't just start out by doing that trick. You start by practicing just straight airs off the jump. Then you, you do one eighties or three sixties before going straight into, you know, like a, a 1080 or something like that. So there's always small steps so that fear isn't so big you kind of break it down slowly and once you get to you know that point where you're like okay like i'm ready to do it the fear is i guess less than your desire to do it because you you know that you've done everything you can you you know without a doubt in your head that you can land this trick or do this jump then you kind of just work with the fear and it just makes you aware of what can go wrong but that doesn't kind of dictate what you're doing
1: do you think fear and doubt in that sense when you are trying those tricks or out on the slopes can be dangerous when it comes to snowboarding? Absolutely, doubt is
0: dangerous. That was something always in my head because once you start doubting yourself, then your brain goes on that tangent of thinking about oh no, what's the snow doing? What's the wind doing? Am I going fast enough? Can I even do this? There's and then you start, I guess your your thoughts get so loud that you actually stop thinking about what you need to do and that's when it gets dangerous that's when you get injured you get to a stage I guess where you you know the risks you know that you can do it and then you kind of learn how to be in your body and not in your mind because you've done everything you can your body knows what it's doing it's your brain that's kind of freaking out and going going against everything your body's trying to do and that's i think where i went wrong sometimes as well and why i got injured is i wasn't smart and i sometimes i guess was like i'm scared of this but i'm going to do it anyway and i didn't think it through properly i didn't do all of the warm ups to get to the tricks i didn't i kind of just rushed it because i so badly wanted that outcome that i ignored the fear instead of working with it and that's, I guess, yeah, where you can go wrong when you start getting too scared or, yeah, your doubt, doubt it will
1: sabotage you. After the Olympic games, Jess came home to have knee surgery. While she was recovering, she decided that after six years of competing, it was time to leave the sport. That was kind of my identity, being on, on the snow, being a snowboarder,
0: that's who I saw myself as, that's who I felt I was and having that time I guess being in a snow town but not being able to snowboard and after doing all of this stuff I guess like competing at the Olympics and and being on tour I I guess I had the realization I was like this isn't gonna last forever I can't be a professional snowboarder for the rest of my life it's just you know I'm not gonna be able to hit these 80 foot jumps forever and I'd have Throughout my career, I've had a lot of injuries that I've definitely had to battle through. And I have always thought about, you know, what I want after snowboarding in terms I wanna have a family, I wanna be healthy, I wanna be fit. And I was thinking about it during this time of, of doing the rehab on my knee. And I was like, if I keep doing this, what's next? Or I try and go to the uh, 2022 Winter Olympics again that means I'll be you know over 30 I still will have been uh, traveling the world not settled down anywhere and I just I had that realization that I think I wanted to focus on more of a family life and more of a stable life not living out of a suitcase not being scared that oh what happens if I get injured again what happens if the injuries are worse you know there's People every day that can get really, really hurt on the mountain and it's something that's always in the back of your head. Yeah, I came to terms and I was like, I just have to leave now. And that's kind of what I did. I just kind of moved away and um, I moved up the coast to Lennox Head. And I was just because I didn't feel like if I was in that environment that I would be able to step away from snowboarding because it was so ingrained in everything I did in my life and I wanted to see what else there was
1: out there. Incredibly, during Jess's professional snowboarding career, she actually never had a coach. This meant she had to face her fears and trust her body all on her own. It may have been the more difficult road, but since leaving the sport, those lessons have come in handy. The things I've, I learned through that
0: whole snowboarding career have come into play so many times outside of snowboarding, you know, in my, in my day-to-day life. And one of them definitely is working with fear. Even just, I'm at uni right now and doing exams and I, a few of my friends get so stressed out with exams and buckle under that pressure. You know, they they perform nowhere, like near how well they should do in exam um, uh, circumstances. Whereas I get into an exam and I'm just, like cool, calm, collected because I'm like, this isn't pressure. Like I, I know what pressure is, pressure is, thinking that you could get really, really hurt if something went wrong, you know, like that's what I see pressure as now. I'm like, there's no chance of me
1: dying? Yeah, I'll do it for sure. That's not scary. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective to know you're not going to break your femur in an exam. (laughs) So how did that desire to settle down and potentially have children down the track influence you leaving the sport? It was such a
0: hard decision when I chose to leave the sport and I remember like being so scared to tell anyone that I didn't want to do this anymore that well it's not even that I didn't want to do it but I wanted other things in my life I wanted to pursue other things and I remember yeah I was like so like I was like people aren't going to like me anymore I'm not going to be this you know just the snowboarder what am I if I'm not just the snowboarder and I I came to the realization that it wasn't sustainable for me and if I did want to have a family and have a a relationship that I could be around in you know I was in a relationship for a really long time and I spent most of my time away because I was pursuing what I wanted and I started to feel that that was just unfair you know that's not also sustainable if I wanted a family you need to be there you need to grow together and I just yeah, even just like simple things like getting injured all the time, is that lowering my my chances of being able to have a kid, the stress levels, the just the financial constraints, the traveling all the time. Yeah, all of that kind of just really hit me then because I wasn't able to have the fun side of snowboarding. I was just thinking about all of that because I wasn't, at that stage, I was still recovering with my ACL and I was not able to, snowboard so that was the one thing that I really really enjoyed and I wasn't able to do that and then that's when all these realizations kind of hit me pretty hard pretty quick. Do you miss snowboarding? I miss it every day every day and the funny thing is like I moved up here to get away from snowboarding and I got a job in a restaurant and literally everyone in that restaurant had done seasons at Threadbow or Perisher that's how they met they love snowboarding But, yeah, it's just that is such a big part of my life and it brings me so much joy. Like even still, I went down last season, I went down to the snow and I actually thought before I got there, I was like, I wonder how I'm going to feel being there. And I, as soon as I strapped in and I got on the snow, like you couldn't wipe the smile off my face and that, I guess, told me a lot. I was like, "No, you still you really love snowboarding. It's just that everything else about it wasn't working." You know what I mean? It's like I don't think I'm ever not going to love it and ev- like yeah, every day I I'm like, oh, "I want to go snowboarding. I look through my friends on Instagram snowboarding and I'm I'm jealous. I'm like, "Damn, should I just like buy a flight to New Zealand and go snowboarding?" And then so yeah, I I don't think that passion is ever going to Die.
1: Am I right in saying then that the shift for you was going from Jess the snowboarder to Jess who loves snowboarding and wants to do other things. And then that took the pressure off for you. hundred percent. That's exactly what it was. I couldn't identify as
0: anything else other than Jess the snowboarder. And I think that's on nobody else but myself. I had I'd done it for so long I didn't know what else I was. It was how I identified myself. It was what I did, what I loved. Like every moment I was working towards something to do with snowboarding. And so that's why I I knew as well that I had to get out of it because I didn't know what I was without it. And then um, leaving it and realising I am a person that enjoys so many other things as well and has so many other interests, I've realised, yeah, I'm Jess who loves to snowboard, not just Jess, the snowboarder. Looking back on your career now,
1: what comes up for you?
0: I feel just so lucky that I got to wake up. It was 10 years of back-to-back seasons that I did, and I got to wake up every day and be like, how am I going to have the most fun today? And I think not many people get to say that. And I was also focused on my health and focused on you know, being outside all the time. I think that is such a healthy lifestyle as well. And yeah, I am just so, I'm so grateful for having that in my life and still being able to go back to it. And it's really funny now, like when I meet new people, I don't, I don't talk about snowboarding because it doesn't come up. We talk about, you know, what's going on around here. And it's really funny that It's usually a few times after meeting someone that they find out that I was a snowboarder and went to the Olympics and people are like, oh my God, you're an Olympian. And it's so funny because I guess when, yeah, when I was a snowboarder, just, that was just what I was doing. It wasn't, even the Olympics wasn't that crazy because I went to the Olympics with all of my friends, you know? So it didn't feel like it was that big of a deal because everyone else did it. Everyone else I know was also an Olympian. It wasn't until I kind of moved out of that and people are like, oh, my God, you went to the Olympics. And I'm like, oh, it is a pretty big deal, isn't it? Like, wow,
1: cool. <laughs> That's like the best fun fact, If especially in uni classes where you have to share a fun fact as you go around the room. It probably feels weird to say something like that, but you would absolutely win.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh I wouldn't bring it up usually I get a bit nervous like telling people but I do love to uh, you know if we're having a darts tournament or something at home I always like secretly run out and put on my Olympic track suit and come back in and pretend <laughs> I'm super competitive so I guess like yeah that's how I kind of <laughs> enjoy it.
1: So if you could sum up your experiences as a professional snowboarder how would you? being
0: a snowboarder is the best thing in the world you know you get to wake up you get to go out and you just get to go and have the most fun literally that is your goal every day is to go and do what makes you happy and I think that having that in my life for so long I guess that would kind of summarize it would be like I was so happy and having so much fun and I'd like to think that people could see that in my snowboarding and and thinking back at, at the stuff I've done. If they saw me, they'd be like, wow, she's having a good time. I think that would be like how I'd want someone to summarise my career, I guess. Yeah, I think that sport has an amazing way of bringing a lot of people together with common interests, doing something that makes you happy. And I'm just so grateful that I got to spend so many years of my life doing something with so many great people that brought us all so
1: much happiness. These days, Jess says life is pretty cruisy. Between studying a Bachelor of Health Science with a major in naturopathy and clinical nutrition, you can find her down at the beach surfing with her two dogs. Lennox Head is a long way from Pyeongchang, but it's clear chatting with Jess that whatever path she chooses in life, her Olympian drive will always be there. In the next episode of this mini-series, Game Changers, we're speaking with Rihanna Niffland. When you hit the water, everything just goes silent and then you realise I overcame that fear and that felt amazing. I'm Marley Silver, your host, and this is Beyond the Ordinary, a Red Bull podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can discover more about Game Changers at redbull.com forward slash Changers.